So the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. And in 2013, the average attention span of a person is eight seconds. <laughs> How good is that? Um, that means that when I'm at school and I've got to teach a class full of kids, I'll do things like walk around to try and like, engage their attention. And I'll just randomly kind of raise my voice. And I'll just kind of like shock them a little bit. Um, and what it does is it keeps them focused. Uh, it keeps them listening. It doesn't help them understand, but it does help them listen. Uh, and in this text uh, that you've just heard Christina read out, the word here, or listen, appears 12 times. So, listen. Uh, we start by looking at the recognition of the kingdom. Uh, with the last two parables of the reading. Uh, both the growing seed parable and the mustard seed parable use farming as a means to explain what the kingdom of God is like. And imagine how relevant it would have been to ancient Israel to use uh, something about farming. They all recognise seeds and farming techniques. So Jesus used that when explaining the kingdom. He wanted people to understand uh, what the kingdom was like. He wanted people to understand more about the kingdom than they already did. Um, his concern was that if these people saw the kingdom, they wouldn't recognise it. And so he says in verse 30, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? And he uses a part of their culture that they know well. And the first two, uh, the first of these two parables describing the kingdom of God is one about a uh, seed growing. And Jesus used the mystery of science. Uh, you can create the conditions for a plant to grow, but you don't really know how it happens, or especially back then they didn't really know how it happened. Um, you just sow, and then a while later, fruit of the seed is there. And how did this counter the idea of the kingdom of God uh, in the day? People thought that the kingdom would come suddenly, that the Messiah would march into Israel, and reconquer Israel from whatever occupying nation and re-establish and fulfill uh, the kingdom in Israel and all its former glories. And that might have been easier, mightn't it, if Jesus did that. That would have been easier. Um, but the kingdom isn't like that. And when the kingdom came, they weren't going to recognise it. They were to recognise, they weren't going to recognise this slow growing kingdom. Only when the kingdom is fully manifest for all to see, were they going to recognise it. And the following parable from verse 30 about the mustard seed uh, shows even more so than that <coughs> which people would not recognise it. Growing from, the this is a, a, one of the hundreds and thousands that are robbed from Christina's uh, shelf. I forgot to bring a mustard seed. It's pretty tiny, isn't it? Okay, uh, That is about the size of a mustard seed and you can probably barely see it in, in the fingers. Um, Growing from the tiniest of seeds, the kingdom seems insignificant and therefore kind of weak. Um, but it will grow to a size so big that nobody will mistake it. Jesus is the kingdom and the kingdom was there amongst them and they didn't see it. He seems weak and insignificant, but he will one day be fully manifest. And on that day, nobody will mistake him. Everybody will recognise the kingdom. I only discovered Castlefield, uh, which is a kind of popular place uh, in the centre of town. Uh, I only discovered it about five years ago or so. 
and I went to this bar and I really liked it. Um, and I'd gone in the front entrance, but when I was taken back there a couple of years ago, um, I was taken in a different entrance and I had no idea it was the same bar. Um, it was right there in front of me. I'd love this bar, I was like, ah, oh, well, I'll go back to Night Duke's Night too. And I just had no idea, and I was, I was actually in the bar. I mean, it did have a one million pound refurbishment inside, but <laughs> it was the same place and I didn't even recognize it. Like, it had come and gone, it just passed me by. I didn't recognize that this was the same place. Would you recognize the kingdom if you saw it? Do you look around you at Redeemer and see a part of Jesus' growing kingdom? Or are you waiting for something else? I've certainly wanted church on my terms before. Redeemer would be better if it, would, if it was like this. It would better serve Jesus if it was like this. Well, what do you want from Redeemer? If only there was more Christian kids in Redeemer to get alongside my kids and win them for Christ. If only there were more people uh, like me at church then I feel like I belonged. If only there was a six-piece uh, worship group every week <laughs> and I really feel Jesus' presence. Why can't we have a mission where DBS checks come through sooner? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All of that would certainly make things easier, wouldn't it? But that's not the kingdom. Jesus is here and he's working. Do you not see his kingdom? The trustees, after a year of trying to get Greg and Christina back to this country, managed to secure them a visa. Quite a few of us in the church have managed to buy all rent properties in Chalton. And it's quite a it's quite an expensive place to live in. People want to live here, and that's actually managed to happen. That's an awesome thing. Um, we've been provided with a big enough space in this house, uh, through all our venue troubles, uh, that we can actually meet together each week. And then from next week, we possibly have a permanent public venue with quite a big name in Chalton. All these are answers to prayer, Jesus working and growing his kingdom. The biggest, I reckon, the biggest answer to prayer is the fact that this bunch of people that really would just want to love ourselves have become a family. Does it seem like Jesus' presence is lacking to you? He is at work in invisible ways. And if you see that his kingdom is here growing, then I'd say you've understood his kingdom. Just make sure you look forward to the kingdom fully manifest in that everyone will see. My second heading is the reception of the word. I was the king and his words received. Jesus explains how people's hearts, represented in this parable by the soil, uh, will receive his words, represented by the seeds. There were four different ways in which uh, his words were received, and four different soils. The first soil referred to isn't even soil, but seed uh, falling on the path, and the birds immediately eliminate the seed. And as Jesus explains in verse 15, the soil will see Jesus' message completely deflected by Satan before it can do anything in the ground. And the second soil has no depth. And so the seed can't take root. And having, an, having immediately sprang up, it gets scorched by the sun and has no access to water through the roots and withers away. And Jesus explains in verse 17 that this shallow soil represents people who might receive Jesus' message with joy as soon as hardship comes they don't have Jesus' word rooted deeply in their heart and so they fall away the third soil falls 
uh, among thorns which grow alongside the seed and choke it. And Jesus talks in verse 19 of how this thorny soil is a person who chases after worldly pleasures rather than the kingdom. And finally, the good soil. It not only bears fruit, but with a bountiful harvest. That's not just hitting your target at work. That's not just getting 100%. That's not even getting 10% above target. It's like 10 times your target. Okay, where it says, let me find it, 30... Uh, let me find it. It says, uh, I think, 30, 60, and 100-fold. Um, that's the kind of harvest we're talking about. And that is going to see the sower pretty pleased, isn't it? The reception of the word. How was Jesus' word received? I think of the Beatles and how they're received. And yes, I'm comparing the Beatles to <laughs> Jesus' word. Get over it. Um, all have heard the Beatles. But some immediately dismissed their music. I went on about the Beatles so much in my last house, living with three other guys, that they just didn't want to know. And I play a really decent track to them, and they just shut it out. They didn't want to hear it. Um, others hear the Beatles and enjoy, but they never really get onto listening to their really good stuff. And when the enemies come and slate the greatest bands to ever exist, they can't identify themselves as fans, and their interests fade. Others hear, but they quickly move on to other bands that they think are acceptable alternatives. <laughs> I think they're good, but not that good. <laughs> but the good listeners, the good listeners will find a love for them that will last a lifetime. Now I do believe that. <laughs> Jesus told this little story to separate those who will receive him from those who won't. Why then are we reading it? Especially as most of us here are believers. We're the good soil, right? So how do you receive him? How do you receive his words? Well, we've been given the Holy Spirit to mould us and change us, and he often uses our conscience to tell us something's wrong. How often do you give, um, how often do you just really quickly dismiss when your conscience is telling you something's wrong? Um, I've had my boss actually ask me, I think something morally grey, or just morally completely wrong, that she asked me to cheat, for a bunch of year 11 students so that they get grades that they didn't actually work for. Do you immediately dismiss that voice telling you it's not okay just so you continue to look good at your job? If you shut it out, do you even feel guilty about it? Or was there no second thought? That's Satan snatching away Jesus' words. Under hardship, how will you cope? There's people in this church that have gone through so much more hardship than I have and how did you make it through how did your faith make it through without being scorched by the sun and falling away let me encourage you it's Jesus word um, having deep roots in your heart that's how finding time to listen to Jesus word um, with a busy life less with a full-time job less with kids less with hobbies could you say right now that you're at danger of your faith being choked by some of these things, by worldly pleasures? What fruit will we see? If your heart is a good environment for Jesus' word to grow, what fruit can you see? If you can't see any fruit in your life right now, tell someone. And what about fruit from other churches? Churches where we think the word of God 
is being spoken in a different way and we don't really like it. If Jesus' word is received, it's no big issue, right? And really, we shouldn't have any other attitude than thankfulness that our brother and sisters are growing and are bearing fruit. And one of the main ways in which uh, Jesus speaks to us today is through each other. Uh, we have uh, Greg preaching to us on Sundays, hopefully throughout the week, as we live as a, as a family on mission, we're going to be speaking into each other's lives. Um, at some point, Greg is probably going to mess up. When that happens, are you going to forgive? Or are you going to let there be a barrier between you receiving God's word when it's preached to you on Sunday? And we will annoy each other and distress each other and embarrass each other. And again, will there be a barrier when someone is speaking God's truth into your life? Are you just going to say, nah, that's enough. I can't really hear, that, hear anything now. That'll be your pride shutting them out. And joys of experience as a church that leave us too distracted to listen. Um, when I was at church in Salford, uh, I fairly recently became a Christian and I got involved in music. I love music, um, but I, I still need to practice. Um, and when I'd be doing music at church, I'd just be thinking about, oh, is it that chord? No. No, it's that, no, that's a different song. And that's what I'd be thinking about. Instead of listening to the sermon, I'd often just be thinking about the music. And the answer for me was not stopping doing that thing I took joy in and was able to serve my church in. That's not the answer. The answer was me practicing more. And when I practiced more, that meant I could focus uh, on receiving God's word. Are you thinking about how your slow cook is doing right now? Probably, you are now. But <laughs> next week, when we go to Dulcimer, you might be looking at the paintings on the walls and going, oh, they're lovely, aren't they? Um, what are you going to do to take in the word? Tune back in. If it's boring, take <coughs> notes. Doodle. What will you do to make sure you are listening to what God wants to say to you? And thirdly, the response of the people. And there was a lot of people. The crowd was so big that Jesus had to get in a boat and sat in it on the sea with a crowd on the land. That's how many people there were. This is, the, this is the geeky part. The Greek word for land in the ESV and shore in the NIV is the same word for soil used throughout the parable. And that means when Jesus talks about all the different kinds of soils, he is talking to the people on the soil because they are the soil he's talking about. <laughs> you there on the soil, this is about you. That's what he's saying. So what was the response of the people? Verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. Verse 34. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. What was the response of the people? His followers followed. They asked him about the confusing parables. Jesus, what's this thing about growing seeds? And because they responded by following and pursuing the kingdom, he explained everything. In verse 12, Jesus cites Isaiah in a passage that's talking about hard-heartedness. 
In fact, I'll start from halfway through 11. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be, ev- they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So if people respond to the word with a hard heart, then they won't understand. If, however, the people respond with a soft heart and they pursue Jesus, then we can read the same passage inversely. Didn't check whether that was a word. Um, For those inside, they will perceive, understand, turn and be forgiven. I'll say that again. For those inside, they will perceive, understand, turn and be forgiven. There can be no understanding without Jesus' interpretation. And so the interpretation is saved for those who ask. For those on the inside. How, we do, how do we know which soils they all are? The good soil are the people who respond to his words and follow him and get on the inside. Um, Greg, asked, Greg asked me to join a little jazz trio at the start of 2018. And I joined this little trio uh, I'm not going to lie, I, I didn't really like bebop. <laughs> we played a lot of bebop. Um, anyway, I, I trusted, he's a, he's a man of great taste, so I trusted him and I play this genre that Louis Armstrong, I've got a little quote here, Louis Armstrong, the most famous jazz trumpeter of all time, said bebop, no melody to remember and no beat to dance to. This famous trumpeter for jazz said that bebop wasn't catchy and the rhythm was rubbish. <laughs> And yeah, I trusted him, okay? And I joined this little band, and I got on the inside, and I exposed myself, and I listened to loads of bebop, and we played it, we did a couple of gigs, and I love bebop now. But I had to get on the inside. Now I understand that it's great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us? Well, have you ever thought about the efficiency of what we do? Someone want to get that in. <laughs> Just turn it off, sorry. Well, have you ever thought about the efficiency of what we do? Uh, when we spread the word of God, when we're seeking to get the news of Jesus out there, why don't we just target those on the inside? Why so where Satan <coughs> will just snatch up the seeds straight away? Why don't we just target people that obviously have soft hearts? Surely, if we just inward focus, the effort and time would be more fruitful. Literally. Jesus doesn't do that. He uh, is the guy who sows in marginal places on hostile soils. He is inclusive. As we should still reach out to those that look very hard-hearted and are very hostile to Jesus' word. Jesus invites everyone on the inside. Jesus will do all he can to call people to him. So should we. He won't exclude anyone. So who do we exclude? Chorlton is a place uh, where at first glance everyone is sorted. Everyone's got it sorted. Will there be certain types of people that you'll meet here that you'll think, ah, they're alright, their lives, they're sorted. They're not going to think twice about Jesus. I've definitely thought that before. Will you actually invest in them? It's not up to us to decide whether they're soft-hearted or hard-hearted. Jesus will do that. 
Or maybe there's people you'll meet that you won't invest in because you fear the soil. You think it'll be hostile and it's a danger to you. The sower doesn't fear. He just sows everywhere. And he knows there will be fruit one way or another. If a farmer doesn't sow generously, then they won't reap. Let's make sure we, in turn, sow generously. So what have you got to give that Jesus gets, uh, Jesus' word gets out there? As we're quite a middle class demographic, we're financially all right. We can spare a few socks and give that to reach out to the community. But do we have any time? Can we give an hour every two weeks, once a month, to homeless prevention, the Longford Centre? Do we have any time that we can give to reach those on the outside? If not, can we make time? What can we rejig to make sure we are sowing? And when we sow, you could ask what fruit we'll see. Remember, his kingdom is not coming in a big and obvious way. We don't have to be the ones that harvest the bounty. It's not our harvest. It belongs to God. We'll take that as an encouragement. Even if it's a discouraging start, trust that there will be fruit, even if it's not that friend you've been praying for for three years. Or your neighbour who you've invited around several times. Or you've brought the bins in for. That work colleague you've had several decent chats with. You may not see the fruit, but his kingdom is growing and there will be 30, 60 or 100 fold fruit. And from verses 21 to 25, the lamp under the basket parable helps explain how their responses will be measured. The lamp refers to God's light becoming manifest to all. God doesn't intend on keeping his light shrouded in darkness. And as his light is uncovered, it's going to shine on everything and make everything clearer. In addressing this huge crowd, imploring them to listen, Jesus has exposed all their hearts. The light has shone and the response of their heart is highlighted by whether they get on the inside or remain on the outside. It'll expose the soft hearts um, that get on the inside and expose the hard hearts that stay on the outside. The lamp is like when you go to the opticians and they put that weird glasses frame on you and they stuff loads of lenses in your face. And you have to look at that red and green projection. Let me get some nodding, you've all yes. seen this. Okay. And you know it's green and you know it's red on one side, you're not blind. But uh, when they put that clearest lens in there, you can just see even more that that red it's even redder, and that green is just popping. And like God's light, he exposes the soft hearts uh, to be soft, and the hard hearts to be hard. And what are the consequences of having either heart exposed? Verse 24 says, Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Mm. So consider carefully what you hear. Um, in this case, the measure refers to the way in which people respond to the word, respond with a hard heart, 
and you'll be plunged into greater misunderstanding, blinded by the world around you. Respond with a soft heart, and Jesus will take up residence in your heart and grant more understanding in this age and the age to come. And talking about the soft hearts, we get on the inside, verse 11. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. The response of the people. I've had loads of students um, go up to an exam, not in fact that makes me a bad teacher. I've had some students <laughs> not really prepared for an exam. Okay, there's been loads of gaps in their knowledge, and um, instead of going to revision sessions. Uh, asking for more homework help, uh, they just ran from their problem, and they felt shame or apathy or defeatism, and, and they, just, they just ran, and they were in more of a mess for their exam. On the other hand, students who attended those sessions would end up being given loads of revision notes, free revision guides, and free stationery, <laughs> and they were granted even more knowledge that they already had, even more <coughs> knowledge than they already had. Sorry. And so Jesus reveals those who respond with a soft heart and grants them more understanding. <coughs> Jesus will continue to reveal things to us. He'll give us more understanding. Now, it doesn't mean there won't be a time where you don't understand what Jesus is doing in your life. The disciples were often confused. Read Mark, the disciples regu regularly just didn't get it. But Jesus, through whatever means, each time gave them understanding. And just make sure your move is to get on the inside and come to Jesus. You may not stay on the inside. Every single disciple fled Jesus in the end. They were all on the outside. So continue to hear, as it says in verse 20, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it. That's hear present tense, not heard past tense. It's ongoing, so continue to respond. And the great news is just as you may not stay on the inside, a person may not stay on the outside. Blind Bartimaeus was literally located on the roadside, the place where uh, Satan whips up the seed. And those on the inside rebuked him for trying to get on the inside. And people told him to shut up. But Jesus came to him, and then he was, he was on the inside with him. <coughs> know that discouraging start will become a triumphant end, as the king will harvest 30, 60, or 100-fold. And we cannot hear of salvation without Jesus. We cannot understand of salvation without Jesus. All access uh, to the kingdom of God lies with him. We were all on the outside, blinded by... The joys of this world and deafened by the struggles. And as a result of our hard-heartedness, we deserve nothing more than God's judgment. To forever be on the outside. And as we eat this bread, which represents Jesus' body, good pick, my um, and drink this wine, which represents Jesus' blood, for us. We will remember. We will remember that um, he went on the outside in our place. He became the enemy of God. 
he became the judged on the outside so that we could come on the inside. And so eat joyfully, knowing that Jesus first pursued you before he brought you on the inside and granted you understanding of his sacrifice.